Welcome back to The Build Podcast. I'm Blake Bartlett, a partner here at OpenView. We're here to help software founders and operators unpack sustainable growth strategies in the ever-changing world of SaaS. Today, we hear from AJ, the maker behind Card. That's Card with two R's. Card is an extremely popular product for building simple and fully responsive one-page websites. Card first blew up on Product Hunt and has since amassed over 800,000 users and over 1.2 million websites. But as we'll hear today from AJ, this success was a bit unexpected. Card started as a side project, but has become much, much more than that. And it's this unique journey of AJ's that makes today's episode so special. In today's episode, we unpack how imposing product limitations can actually unlock user creativity and viral growth. The power of following your users rather than leading them when it comes to product roadmap and what it means to be an accidental founder. All that and more on this episode of Build. So let's dive in with AJ. Well, AJ, thanks so much for joining us here on the Build Podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. And we're going to jump into uh, your story and your experience with Card, which I think is a very interesting story. But maybe to start, just what is Card? And for anyone who's not familiar with the products and, and what you've built. So it is a one-page site builder platform, just to kind of put it all together in that that way. Real fast, real easy, and it is free, although there are paid upgrades that you can get. And how'd you come up with the idea for Card? My background is sort of in web design, web development, and for years I had been doing site template design, theme design, you know, that sort of thing. And I kind of got to this point where I was I'd learned a lot and I was trying to look for a project that would kind of take advantage of all the skills I had acquired and something a bit more expensive than just, you know, another theme or or whatever. So I kind of jotted down a few different ideas and most of them were relatively small and kind of away from what I had been doing previously. And then one of them, which ended up being card, was what really kind of stuck out to me as the best choice. It was a site builder. And because of how close it was to what I had been doing already, I already had a lot of experience there. I kind of understood design, HTML, CSS, all that stuff. So it felt like the natural fit for my first kind of big project. And so when you're talking about building themes, were these WordPress themes before or what did the work look like before Card? Yeah, some were WordPress themes. Uh, A lot of it was just straight up HTML templates. And I'd been doing that for literally years. Like that was my main thing. But in doing that, like I built the actual sites from which those were distributed. And so that was really what taught me how to build backend code, work with databases, that type of thing. And just naturally from working with more and more sophisticated kind of effects and stuff, I learned a lot about interface design. I mean, by the time I began on card and really decided I was going to work on it, I had a good starting point of skills to go ahead and actually do something like that. Now, as you describe this, it kind of sounds like you know, a lot of people who start something or build a product kind of have a particular problem in mind, uh, something they're trying to solve. And the way you describe it, it sounds like perhaps this was more an expression of, you know, this is a great uh, opportunity to put all of my skills together and put something out there and just see what happens. Is, is that a fair way to describe it? Or did you have a problem or sort of some pain in your mind that you're looking to relieve? 
Actually, I think the way you summed it up was probably the most accurate. I mean, the problem I was solving was a more personal one, which was I wanted to build something that was actually going to actually challenge me, you know, take a break from doing, you know, template and theme design, actually do something bigger that really challenged me across my entire skill set at that point. Card itself, like the problem it solves, I mean, I can retcon that at this point now that I've seen the problems it has solved. But yeah, the actual genesis of it was I just wanted to do something bigger than what I'd done previously. And card happened to be it. And who uses card today? And what are some of the popular use cases for what people are doing with it? Yeah, I guess the simplest answer is like, everybody uses it. I mean, not everybody, literally everybody, but like all manner of people have taken to using it. Because if you think about the use case of what a, you know, a website is for, that's pretty much anyone, any business, any person, any hobby, whatever, someone is going to build a site for that. And card being what it is, ends up being used by that very diverse range of people. Now, when it started, the use cases I had in mind were a bit more limited. I thought it would be more of a kind of profile sites, maybe small landing pages, that type of thing, more business oriented. But as soon as I kind of like launched it, users decided to just take it and run with it in their own directions. And so since then, it's just been just been seeing a whole bunch of use cases that I never anticipated. What do some of those look like? So some recent ones I've seen are people using it as kind of a substitute for doing PowerPoint presentations. I've seen people use them to make wedding invitations. People have done their homework on it as like presentations in school. I saw a guy used it to do his like D&D character sheet, which I thought was incredible. Every day, it just feels like I'm coming across different use cases that it makes sense once you see it. But for someone like myself who didn't really set out to solve every problem, it's a unique surprise every day. Now, when you were we were building it, based on the origin story that we talked about, it doesn't sound like you were kind of thinking about, well, you know, there's Squarespace, there's Wix, there's all of these other solutions for site builders. You know, there are landing page builders, and I want to build something that's fundamentally unique. Or did you think about the the sort of offering of what else exists in the market already? Yeah, to some extent. So what really drove this, because again, like I said, the genesis of this was something for me to build and ultimately build myself. So. I did look at what was already out there and I very quickly realized like if I'm doing this as a, as a solo developer, like there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to build something on the scale of a Wix or a Squarespace. So I had to look at what I was trying to do and pare it down and reduce the scope such that one developer could do it all themselves. So that's where the one page thing actually came from because that simplified both the user interface, a lot of the backend stuff, and got it to where I could actually put my arms around it and get it done. Versus if I had a much more expansive idea to compete with these larger platforms, I don't think I could have done it. And that turned out to be one of those decisions that were done from my convenience, but ultimately ended up being one of the most unique aspects of the platform. And I think that starts to get into a little bit of how do you think about building product? What is some of your you know product strategy, if you want to call it that? So are there key sort of design principles or is there a product philosophy that you've embodied as you've built Card? Well, I would say like, again, I have to kind of, if I'm being honest about it, not really. Like at the beginning, it was very much a convenience for me thing. Like, all right, so there's this feature I want to add. How can I do it that fits within the context of keeping it simple enough for one developer to build it? So I may go and implement something, but it would be a relatively, I wouldn't say limited, but just a, a 
just enough of it to do what it needs to do. And so that, again, came out of convenience for me as a developer. But now I think, again, if I were to retcon the whole thing, I would say, well, it's keeping it simple for the user. So, you know, you can, I guess another way of putting it is instead of approaching, you know, everything from a kind of kitchen sink aspect, like sure, you know, some of these other platforms do a whole bunch of complex things. But for most people, they only need about maybe 70, 80% of that. And so that's kind of what I've evolved along with CAR to doing as far as the philosophy goes. So kind of thinking about more so what should I not build? And that's the starting question versus what should I build next? That's probably a more intelligent way of putting it and a a less wordy way as I did just now. But yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, just what you don't build is as important as what you build. Because if you do set your sights too high, you know, there are all kinds of problems with that. I mean, for one thing, you're going to, you know, the amount of resources it's going to take to do that. Plus, I think, you know, just the limiting what you do kind of makes you more creative, right? So the more constraints you have, yeah, sure, it does limit the extent of what you can do. But within that framework of what you can do, you can do some very unique things. And I think that's one of the reasons why card can stand out. It's because I've had to really think about how to approach solving some problems in a very simple way, given all the constraints that it has. Yeah, well, it kind of leads me to the the classic saying of necessity is the mother of invention or of innovation. And your necessity was, I'm a solo developer, so I can't bite off more than I can chew. So I need to put some constraints on this so that it's manageable for me to continue to build and scale this project. And then what that ended up being for the user is that it's not this thing where you can come and do anything you want with it, but there are guardrails. And those guardrails end up creating some constraints that ultimately then, almost counterintuitively, the constraints unlock more creativity because there's you know clearly defined swim lanes. Right. So actually, that kind of reminds you of uh, very early on when I did an alpha of card with just a few friends to check out. It didn't have the ability for you to pick a template to start with. It was pretty much just a blank canvas. And I think just even with card at that point, with as limited as it was, the blank canvas, I think, was kind of intimidating for a lot of people. Like they would look at it and just like, unless they were a designer, which for most of the friends who were testing this out, they weren't. They looked at it and got intimidated and they were able to do some stuff with it. But I don't think they kind of realized what they could do with it. It was just too it was just too much given to them all at once. Whereas once I added the ability to pick a template, it was like putting up some guardrails to just kind of show them, oh, this is what you can do or how you can do it. And I think that's more of a general principle that could be applied in you know just building a product. And that's when you go to the card website, you see that initial call to action, which is choose a starting point. Is that what you're talking about there? That sends you into the template gallery, right? Yeah, that turned out to be one of the best decisions that came out of it. And it's, it's again, it's like a very obvious thing. Everyone does it. I didn't intend to do it at first though, because I thought, well, I didn't, I didn't know what I thought. I guess I was just thinking, oh yeah, maybe a blank canvas is what people want. But it turns out people do want some constraints. So they at least are funneled in the right direction. And then once they kind of get there, get comfortable with it, then they can kind of, you know, spread their wings and see what they can do with it. Yeah. And it it, uh, addresses what sounds like a cold start issue is that when you have this blank canvas and if you're not coming in with sort of an idea of what you already want to build, if you're not a designer, if you're not a marketer who's looking to build a particular landing page or whatever it is, yeah, that blank canvas can be intimidating. You don't know where to begin. And so I like that you've even called that call to action, choose a starting point. 
as opposed to, you know, on the nav bar template gallery, because it, it speaks to what do you do with this? You use this as a jumping off point for your creativity on card. And that's a really compelling way to address that getting started and that cold start issue. I mean, getting at something else actually really fit in with the kind of like, I guess, low friction flow that I was trying to go for to make it easier for people to get into card and try it out. The choose a starting point thing is a very clear like, yeah, this is where you go. You click through and in like two clicks, you're actually into the site builder where you can go ahead and build a site. You didn't even have to put an email or a name or anything. You can just actually play with it and see if it's for you. And if it is, then you can go further and publish the site. Otherwise, you can just close the tab and never come back again. So it's so low friction that you've even removed all that. What you typically see when you're trying to use a new tool is sign up, create an account, you know, and, and there's a commitment involved. But with Card, it's you're straight into the builder experience. You get to play around, you can choose a starting point, and you can see what you do with it. And if you like what you see, if you like what you've built, if you like the product, then you can choose, like you said, to. it's almost like you save, uh, you save your work after you've built your work. Uh, and that's where the commitment happens. But they've had a, an experience or a proof of value from being able to get in and play around with, with no gates and, and no, no limitations. Right. Again, you, you, you framed it in such a good way, but that's exactly it. And I, a lot of that just came from my own experience trying out different products. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to use this. Like, I'd like to see it in action first. And I would actually go look for like a video or something before I, you know, commit, give my email and get in there. And I figured for card in lieu of doing an elaborate video, you know, just demonstrating the product or, you know, having a very extensive landing page, which when it launched, it basically had nothing. I figured, well, why not just make it, you know, kill two birds with one stone and make it to where the friction is so low that you can just jump right in, try it out. And then I wouldn't have to do all of this extensive marketing or video production. Again, cutting down the amount of work I have to do as one of the driving factors for something that ended up being extremely important to the growth of CARD. And you've mentioned to me before that since you've seen such a large base of users come to CARD and do so many different unique things that you hadn't anticipated with the product, that it's kind of led you to a bit of a product philosophy or product development philosophy, a product roadmap, if you will, that is kind of letting the community take the lead and show you where right. they want to take it, show you what's important next and sort of following the users, following the community. I guess I'm curious, what does that look like in real life for you? So most of the time, it is really as simple as does something get requested a lot? And if it does, then okay, clearly, this isn't just some niche thing that like one or two people are into then, you know, if, if five people or, or 10 people actually approach me and say, Hey, what about this? Okay, then I think I can extrapolate from there and say, Okay, there's probably a lot more people who are looking for something like this. So that's when I'll actually sit down and look at what they're asking for. And then see, is there a way I can implement it within the context of card that makes sense? And sometimes I can't because what they're asking for would drag card too far in you know a certain direction or the uh, amount of resources and, and time to implement something like that would be far more than I would want to expend. Or quite simply, there may be already a competing product that would be better suited for what they want to do. And I'll actually recommend that to them. Like, hey, card is good for some things, but I don't think it's good for that. Maybe try out, you know, if, like if you're trying to build a store, maybe Shopify is a better choice. If you're trying to build a very extensive kind of no code experience, I'd say, well, maybe Webflow. Like I have no problem recommending competing products if I think that's what would be better for a particular user. But then again, if, if it's a feature that I know would actually make sense that I can implement, then I will actually go ahead and do it. 
Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the Jeff Bezos quote, you know, that he always encourages Amazon to be focused on the customers first and not competitors or anything else. And the reason is because that customers are always, I think he says, you know, beautifully, wonderfully dissatisfied with everything. <laughs> and so they'll just tell you. And so it sounds like a, there's a lot of that that comes through, but you also need to put limits on it because you can't just say yes to everything that a dissatisfied, wonderfully dissatisfied customer might request. You have to sort of make sure that it stays true to you know what you're trying to build from the first place. Right. And I think it's almost another way to put it is almost like you have to have editorial control over the features of your product. And it is important to have user and community feedback, but you can't just let them run away with it because like you just said, I mean, it will take it will take you too far away what you set out to build in the first place. So having some kind of limits to what you would take as a feature request, I think is a, is a good thing. But you should always listen to everything people ask of you because there are so many things that have come out of card that I never would have thought of. And I would have thought like, there's one very important feature that came out of a user request. And that is, you know, card being a one page site one page site builder rather, yeah, you're limited to a single page. But then I had a lot of people say, well, it'd be cool if I could just set up like a small secondary page to do like, you know, a a separate contact page or something. And I got that request a lot. And then I actually sat down one day and thought about it. And I was like, is there a way I can do something kind of like that that's still true to what card is? And that's where the so-called sections feature came from which turned out to be a massive boon to card and has just made it to where we can do so many interesting things with the platform all because of that simple user request. So if I had kind of stuck to my guns and not, you know, entertained the possibility that maybe this one page site builder needs to be sort of multi-page, but not quite at the very least, I would have missed out on that huge opportunity. And if we shift gears a little bit from, you know, what the product is and how you make product roadmap decisions, et cetera, and shift gears over towards distribution of how do you get this out there? How do you attract users and all the rest? I mean, you shared some stats with me that were, were pretty impressive. I mean, over 800,000 users, over 1.2 million sites. So how did you achieve this kind of reach and this kind of cult following that you have today? Well, I'll have to be honest. Like I... I'm probably not the right person to answer that question because it's I haven't actually put any effort into marketing beyond like maybe tweeting about card and you know occasionally going on a podcast here and there. And I, I'm not saying that as a way to brag, but I'm saying that because the way card got its distribution, the way it grew, I think it's unique to that product. And I think that's true of many products. So I can tell you what happened in my case, but I'm not gonna, you know, I would not tell people that this is how you need to do it. So in my case, I had a, a uh, kind of starter following back when I launched Card. I had done quite a few free template designs, free theme designs. So I had a small following of people who followed me for that work. And so I did have something to start from. I didn't start from zero. And then I got on Product Hunt, which was really when it all began. Like uh, March 2016, I believe, is when we launched on there. And that that's when it just really took off. And, and beyond that, I've really not done much else. And it, it just it's just kind of organically grown its on its own. I would say that what's helped keep it growing and doing its thing is some of the product decisions I actually made. Like for instance, you know, the 
the fact that you can try it out without giving an email or any of that stuff, just reducing all the areas of friction that would get people to onboard onto your product. But then that, I think those two things working together, you know, just the viral growth from something like Product Hunt and then it being able to not demand so much of you as, as a new user so you can just try it out. I think that's been the key. But I've not done any marketing. I've not done any paid ads or anything like that. So that's how Card grew to where it is today. Uh, I don't know if I'll continue on to the future, but so far it's been going pretty well. And when you talk about virality, is that just kind of true old school virality? You know, one person tells the other person in, in your classic word of mouth, or I guess online word of mouth, you know, they might put it on social and things like that. Or have you thought about, you know, putting viral loops and, and hooks into the product that, you know, drive awareness and help people discover it? I think not intentionally. I mean, and, and honestly, not intentionally would just be the theme of my story with this. So one simple thing I did early on was you build a site on card you can, and you do it for free. The URL is something.card.co. So that's right there in the name. And also, if you have a free account, the sites you publish at the very bottom, there's just a very like nondescript text link that just says made with card. That's about it. I think that may have played some role. And then I think just the casualness of the product probably minimizes the, again, it goes back to friction. I think it's just made it so easy for you to accidentally try out, which I know sounds weird, but it, it I think that is really the key to, to its growth. Because I think if I set up any of the usual roadblocks you'd expect, I do not think I would be at this point. Uh, I love the description because everybody's always trying to engineer a growth. I mean, there are literally lots of people in the world with the title growth engineer, and they're right. putting all this thought, thought and effort into it. And a lot of it's good, but I like the way that you described it, which is, you know, user, it's so simple. It's so straightforward that users find themselves accidentally adopting it. Right. I mean, you got to think, of, just think of yourself as a user. Like, would you put up with a product that just to try it is like, Give us your email and your phone number. Oh, by the way, you know, all this other information, you need to put in a credit card number too. Like, would you do that? Would you want to use a product? Would just try out a product that you have very little knowledge of and give up all that information ahead of time, even though there's a good chance you may not end up using it. Like, I sure as hell don't like that. So I figured most people are that way. And I don't know if that would like fit into the idea of like a, a viral loop or maybe I'm just not understanding the term, but it certainly helps with onboarding and you know if somebody shares a card site on social media or something someone goes there and then they click the made with card link that takes them to the card homepage, which then says choose a starting point within two three clicks that person who had no idea what card was before is now building their own site and i think again it, it wasn't intentional it just kind of fell into place that way but just in retrospect that setup has been i think instrumental in cards growth now, shifting gears again to perhaps zoom out a bit and and talk about you know card as as a product, card as uh, as a business, uh, your, yourself as the the maker behind it. I know you've described to me that that card started as a side project, but it seems to be coming much more than that. And would love to to unpack that a bit further and, and maybe as a starting point, just talk about yourself. Do you think of yourself as a founder? Do you think of yourself differently? I would say up until maybe the beginning of this year, I would have still thought of myself as just a developer who kind of threw together a product that's starting to grow. 
in recent months, as Card has really taken off, I think the founder label is fitting a bit more. It still feels a bit strange to think of it that way, to think that this could very well be a company with a team and you know all that comes with that. But yeah, it, it's been strange feeling that transition from side project to business. And then, you know, I guess there are a few iterations in between those two points. But yeah, I mean, that's very much where I am right now. So it, it's been a it's been a strange time for me just kind of going through all this. It's kind of uh the unintentional or the accidental founder. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I did not set out to do any of this. I really thought card would end up just being kind of this portfolio piece I could point to just to show this is the extent of my skills at this time and you know maybe score some client gigs based on that. I did not expect it to be what has grown to today. Yeah, well I think that we've already seen that happening more and more in the world of product hunt. You know, people are makers, right. uh, people build products, they launch, they end up going viral or being really successful and you go from oh I'm a maker to now I guess maybe I'm a founder and and we're seeing that happen more and more. One archetype that I had thought about before was was I called it the reluctant founder, which was somebody who had a pain point and looked high and low, far and wide for every solution that you could ever imagine to solve that pain point, and nothing worked. And so they kind of wake up one day and say, well, you're forcing my hand here. I have to build something because nothing exists. And so it's a reluctant founder, and then that becomes the solution that the market wants. And you're describing something different, which is unintentional founder, because you started with a side project, you started with a passion project, and then it took off. But they're, they're very close related, the, the, the reluctance and the unintentionality. Right. I guess both types have kind of just stumbled into this thing. It's funny you put it that way, because one of the important things I have to do is to remind myself that a lot of this was unintentional. Not to kind of degrade anything that I've done. Like I'm very proud of what I've built, but I think it helps to remind myself that, you know, I didn't plan for a lot of this. So, you know, I'm not going to try to get high on my own supply and think that I'm some kind of product guru or genius or anything. Like I'm still learning every single day as I work on this. And I'm still surprised every single day when things happen that I didn't expect. Now, granted, in fairness to me, I have gotten better at this because just by virtue of necessity, yeah, I've got, you know, thousands of customers now. I have, you know, a pretty elaborate payment platform. I've got all these things that I have to be aware of. So I've matured dramatically, you know, even compared to where I was last year. But still reminding myself that this was a something of an accident, I think is a good way to kind of stay grounded and stay humble while all this stuff is just taking off. And when did you first start noticing that, hey, this side project is becoming something more? Were there signals or what told you that that might be happening? I think when I was spending, let's see, I think maybe about a year, year and a half ago, really, it was when I realized I was spending a good chunk of the day doing support, content moderation, server stuff, like just every single day. Like I started falling into a pattern. In the early days of working on card and really any other project, you're sort of like, every day is a bit different. You're kind of working on one random thing one day and then the next day you're working on something else. Whereas I began falling into a pattern of support and content moderation and you know server maintenance and all these jobs, basically. When I guess, so I guess the way to answer that is when I realized I was actually working multiple jobs for this thing is when I realized like this is no longer just a side project because... Clearly, if it were a side project, you know, it's something that I can just work on for a little bit and put away. I did not have an option with this, at least if I wanted it to continue on as it has been going. 
So that's when, you know, about a year, year and a half ago, a business partner of mine who I worked with on a bunch of projects going way back, I actually had to bring him in to work on it to just handle operations. So like support and all that stuff, just so I could get back to working on the product itself. And that's really when it really hit me that, well, like I didn't realize it, but we had actually built something that could very well be a business. And, you know, and granted, I should have seen that earlier because it's been, Card has been profitable since the day it launched, but it never really hit me as being something that could be a straight up business with, as I said, a team and all these different things that come with that. So it really does kind of creep up on you. And then when you realize it, it's like, oh, wow, holy crap. And then you kind of have to pivot the way you think about not only the product itself, but also your relation to it. As in, it, like in my case, I'm no longer just some maker who slapped together a side project and threw it out there. Like now I'm responsible for thousands of paying customers, multiple servers, all of this stuff. And there's a lot that comes with that and, and the level of responsibility that I, up until a year or so ago, had not really experienced. I have to imagine that there's a lot of founders or makers that are listening right now that might, your story resonates with them. They've gone through something similar, they are going through something similar right now, or maybe they just put their first product out on Product Hunt, and maybe they'll follow a similar path that you have. And so if somebody like that is listening right now, what advice would you give to them? Or, or what would advice would you give to yourself, you know, six or 12 months ago, knowing what you know now? I think be more aware of the warning signs uh, that your side project is no longer just a side project. And just I think there is the, you can fall into this trap of just thinking like, oh, if you have a thousand users today and then like tomorrow you have 2,000 and then, th- then 3,000 and so on. Like your, your growth, when it starts out slow like that, you can kind of, well, that's not really slow, but you know what I mean? Like it, it, progressive growth like that, you, you can kind of not realize how quickly this thing's taking off because, you know, for every hundred or so users you're adding, like that's another hundred users who are using your platform. And then, you know, in a month, you know, if you're adding 100 a day, there's another 3,000 users you've got on your plate. So it's easy to kind of like, as you're seeing incremental progress for your product and its growth, to not realize how much you've accumulated at that point. And then before you know it, you have 800,000 users. And then you're like, oh, wow, I, when did this happen? You know, it's, it's a bit like, I guess in some ways, it's like people who accumulate debt. They don't realize how far in they are. And then one day they are, they do realize it's like, holy shit, I'm, you know, sorry, (laughs) but I'm in, you know, however much debt, this is kind of like a good kind of debt. You have a whole bunch of users who want to use your thing, but you've waited too long to really realize the scope of what you have built. And I think it's very easy for, especially someone like myself who kind of fell into this, you know, by accident. And I would say didn't take it fully seriously until a few years ago to really kind of downplay the growth that you're experiencing. And then I think you'll, your product could end up suffering as a result. And then you know ultimately, you would end up suffering because you're no longer delivering to your customers what they need because you've just been kind of, you know, it's been a side thing for you. And for yourself personally, I don't think you're, you'll regret not taking it seriously because there was, you know, the, maybe there was something there and now you've squandered it because you just waited too long to actually act on it and put the resources in place to deal with your user base and to, and to properly service them. Well, AJ, I think that's really good advice for someone who might find themselves in those shoes today. So I think it's a great place to end the conversation. And this has been awesome. This has been really a great 
story to hear your journey and also just some really salient advice for folks that are makers, founders, or somewhere in between right now. So thanks for joining us today on the show. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on here. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Build. If you like what you've heard, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to stay up to date with all the new episodes. Follow me, Blake Bartlett, on LinkedIn to join in on the conversation and let me know what you think about the show. Join me this season on Build as we look into the brilliant minds scaling Slack, Notion, Atlassian, and more to discover what it takes to build an awesome product and achieve hypergrowth across every stage of maturity, from seed to IPO and beyond. Now, if you're ready, let's build this together. See you next time here on Build.